good to be together. My name's Donovan, along with our wife Heidi and uh, eldership team. Uh, we give leadership to, to this beautiful local church family. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's not an ordinary Sunday, as Klaus said. This is a church family vision moment. It's, it's kind of, we just get to step back and see what God has done, what God is doing through us and in us as a local church. And if you haven't picked it up yet, it's about this, this very opportunity that God is giving to us. Well, being a church family vision moment, it's going to be a little bit different to the way we structure a message normally. Normally we like to have you know, one key text and then we preach around that, but not going to do that today. We've been in Exodus and we've been kind of following the narrative of what God's been doing in the nation of Israel. How he's taken them out of captivity from Egypt, you know, under the rule of Pharaoh and taking them towards the promised land, the promises that he has for them. And in a, in a kind of similar way, uh, I want to take us on a bit of a narrative, to follow the narrative of what God's been doing in and through us as a local church. And we've been building up to, that, up to today for a few weeks. And those of you who joined us last week at the church picnic would have experienced the exhilaration of being on the site. I mean, it's only just a couple of hundred meters away from here. I think we could all feel the possibilities. We, you know, we had the plans up. You can see them there in that big picture. And you know, in front of us was that open land that, we, that, that this venue is going to be set up on. And I think we all have a sense of what, what God had in store for us. But probably the biggest impact for me personally was this, was this vivid reminder that, that this, this venue or the vision that we have as a local church is not about a venue. It's about people. You know, the main, our main goal as a church isn't to get our hands on a property or get our hands on a venue or get our hands on, on something that's like a... That's like a, a um, a product that then we can just consume and use and kind of just benefit ourselves. No, no, we're a gospel community that exists to fill the city with the life message and faith of Jesus. We've been saved and called by God to be salt and light into this world. I understand that we've been saved and commissioned to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything God has commanded us. It's about our kids, our neighbors, our colleagues, our neighborhood, our own spiritual growth, our own spiritual maturity, justice, cultural renewal as we preach the gospel and we allow the gospel and God to shape and form us into this kingdom people, this kingdom family that he's always envisioned us to be. I like to sort of fresh on that morning as we were, as we were picnicking together. You know, everything was right there. You know, it's just an open field, but the people were there. People who love God, people who want to love God more, people who want to grow in their relationship with God and help others find and follow Jesus. Campus or no campus, the essential ingredients were all there because it's in us. It's in us that God's at work. It's in us that God moves and shapes and impacts this world through the proclamation of the gospel, and I'll be honest, I originally kind of framed this message as, as like a vision for a venue, and we've got to get our hands on the venue, and I realized, I was just reminded that we're not looking to God for a venue, we're looking to God for a venue for the vision that He has given us as a local church. This venue is a servant, is a means by which we're able to live into the fullness 
of the vision that God has for us. And so we're looking at a venue for a vision that God's given us. We believe God's planted this church, come around from Stanchburg for His glory and our good. That He's going to cause our roots to go down deeper. He's going to cause our trunk to grow sturdier. He's going to cause our branches to go out wider and our foliage to grow thicker so that many people can find help and shade and shelter and salvation and life to the full through this bride, this local church family, Common Ground, Constantia. And this venue is just a part of that process, a part of that growth, a part of God's plans and purposes for us that He's been working out since the day we started. On your seat, you've got a flyer. I know you've all, hopefully you've looked at it at some point, but don't read it now. I know I just counterintuitively did that. But the big thing to see on this thing is 6.5 million. But don't look at it now. Like I said, what, are you going to discourage me? Are you gonna, I'm going to think you're not interested in anything I'm saying. Plus you're going to die out and maybe miss some of what I'm sharing with you. So, so sit on it, put it in a bag. You can reach for it later. Now, I say we've been building up to today over the last few weeks, but actually the truth is we've been building up to the, to the day for a lot longer than that. Finding a venue for this local church has been a challenge from the very beginning, actually from before we launched. I remember that, that we actually launched this congregation. I was employed by Common Ground to help launch this congregation along with Terry. I was, I was the resina, the implementer. You know, I bought every urn, every chair, every teaspoon, every, everything. And... Uh, we actually launched three months late because God came through for us at 11.59. I want to say 11.59, 59. That's how God works. <laughs> that actually last hour. But, and, and so we had to delay just those three months to get our house in order. But, but that was God acting on our behalf, planting us in this beautiful space. And that was the launch. But even up to, up to this very day, I mean, right now, this, this message that I'm about to give to you, I was expecting to give to you in November 2018. That's three years. Yeah, three years. Three years ago, I remember, it was a very challenging leadership moment. I mean, amidst many other challenges and changes we were experiencing as a local church, I had to kind of lead us through that disappointment of our, of our five-year temporary departure not coming to fruition in time. And I stood up here and I preached out of Joshua. Joshua 3 verse 5, it says this. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And in God's provision at that right time, we, we moved into the Cape Academy School Hall, which was an interim measure, you know, for 12 to 18 months. But I believe we, we did just this. We consecrated ourselves. I believe God has been at work in us as a local church, in us as a leadership team, refining us, strengthening us, purifying us through these last three years amidst all the storms that we've all faced together. And that interim 12 to 18 months turned into more like 36 to 48 months. But here's what's so amazing. As I look back over these last three years, these words are as true as ever. God is doing amazing things amongst us. You know, as an Ulster team, we feel like spring is coming. You know how things start to bud and fruit starts to come into, into its fullness. 
We feel like God's set us up for a season of growth and, and fruitfulness that's different to what we've experienced before. But it's going to be absolutely wonderful and blow us away. We feel like God's been preparing us, working in us, shaping us, forming us, giving us clarity. I mean, let me just speak to the venue aspect of our story. And if you think about it, if we had got this venue much earlier, there would have been the solid amount of time it would have been unused. And we would have lost 8 to 12 months at least of using this venue of a 5-year temporary, temporary departure. Just one of the ways God's been faithful to us that we can track His fingerprints on this journey. Here's some more ways that God's been faithful in getting us to where we are. We started these discussions with Cape Academy uh, with the brilliant principal Angie, or Mrs. Naidu if you're a pupil, I don't think any of us are. The, it started early 2018. I mean, discussion was started even before that, but with her 2018. From there, we had to negotiate with the school and the school governing body a lease with the school that was satisfactory for them and for us. Once that was done, we had to take that lease, we had to take it to the Western Cape Education Department, and they needed to sign off on that. They needed to approve it and be happy that it was in the best interests of the school. From there, we had to take that lease and take all of that to the Department of Transport and Public Works. If you've got any idea about zoning, if you try to put in building plans, you know the immensity of what I'm talking about. They had to give us power of attorney to make an application on this portion of land because they are the custodians of the land. And to make an application, you need power of attorney to do it. Let me tell you guys, these are three intense processes. At any time, any of these processes could have been the end of this conversation. They could have been shut down so easily, but we've seen the faithfulness and the kindness and the grace of God coming through for us time and time again. I want to tell you, it has not been plain sailing. Honestly, if I'm honest, in my heart, I've always believed that, that this is what God has for us. Can't explain it. Sometimes I wish I'd be more bold at the time, but probably I was a little bit afraid just in case things didn't work out. That's how God grows our faith, right? But man, there's been times I thought we would never get there. It's been a long road. There's been times of resistance, times of struggle, sometimes almost overwhelming, but God has seen us through. Then you think about these hectic processes, but that's actually when the challenging part of this whole journey really started. We had to make our application to the city, and we were turned down by the municipal tribunal. They rejected our proposal, and so we went to appeal, and on appeal, to everyone's surprise, the mayor overturned the decision and upheld our appeal in the face of a lot of objections and granted us the five-year temporary departure usage of this portion of land. Guys, I'm telling you, this is nothing short of God intervening in processes, people, and powers in our very day. This is a remarkable story of God's favor. I can't begin to list the hours and hours of conversations, resistance, meetings, planning, submissions, committees, prayer, and the like that God has seen us through. You know, sometimes trusting God and walking by faith is knocking on doors, and then God closes those doors and you kind of make sense of life as God leads you. There's other times when faith is knocking on a door until you knock it down in God. <laughs> this has been one of those times where God has, has kind of established us and caused us to knock, knock, knock. And God has been 
faithful. Well, where exactly are we in this whole thing? I mean, I've said we've been, you know, given this five-year temporary departure to erect a temporary campus on the basis of this lease we signed. Well, there's two more things we need to see happen for this campus to become a reality. The first one is we're awaiting the outcome of our final planning approval in South Peninsula Municipality, and that's been put in. We're expecting that to take, you know, three to six months, but who knows? COVID and all the complications, but we feel like it's a formality. There's been so many interactions, uh, so many processes, so much involvement in getting us this far that we feel like we've, we've dotted the I's and crossed the T's. That's the first thing. The second thing is, as a church family, we're going to finance this venue for the vision that God has for us. You know what? I'm going to stop and I want to lead us in a prayer and I want to give thanks to God for His faithfulness. Pray with me. God, I just want, to, just want to stop and take a moment to say thank you. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you are intervening in our lives and in processes. God, that your plans and purposes have a way of working out because you're sovereign and you're good to us. You have plans for us. We thank you, God, that you that you've taken us this far and we continue to trust you to take us into all that you have for us, God. But God, we don't want to carry on without just saying thank you, recognizing your goodness and your faithfulness and celebrating you. Amen. Now, I realize sometimes I get super excited about this project. You know, I've been so in it. But some of you probably have a few questions. So I want to answer five questions and then I'm going to ask one question. But I'm trusting as we go that you're going to keep seeing the hand of God, the fingerprints of God at work in this process. I'm trusting that you're going to see some of the work of exploration and the diligence that has gone into seeing us come to where we are as, a, as teams here within Constantinburg. And I'm also trusting God that He's going to stir our hearts to generosity to see this vision realized. Question number one. Why not continue at the range? Might be what some of you are, are thinking. And hey, it's a great question. It's a very good question. And I want to be clear. Very clear. We are so grateful to God for His provision of this venue. It's been such a beautiful and fruitful space for the first 10 years of our life as a local church family. I mean, look around. I don't know how long you've been coming here. But there's, there's memories here. Memories of lives changed. <clears throat> memories of people transformed. Friendships made. People saved, baptized, growing in faith. A city being impacted. And God has been so good to us right here. Not to mention it's beautiful. I'm sure you've noticed the vineyards. I'm sure you've noticed it's rustic. It's, it's not very churchy, which is one of the things we love about it. But the truth is there's... And there's another side to the story that you might not be as aware of. I just want to go into three of that, those things, and it's, it's cost, kids, and chemistry. See what I did there? Some alliteration, mostly. <laughs> How to get it done. Now, when we started at the range, we kind of stretched ourselves financially, you know, but it was within our means, the local church, and certainly doable, and over the years, you... You know, you get incremental increases in rental, which is normal, and, and that's been fine. But, but we face some significant structural increases 
over the last two or three years, which actually made the range completely unsustainable for us as a local church. Actually, got to the point where we felt like this is no longer good stewardship of the generosity of the church towards the mission of what God's called us to do. By the time we left meeting here regularly every week, we were paying just on or over one million rand a year to be here. Now, I know the view is nice, but it's not that nice, especially when you can only enjoy it on a Sunday. And then we've got the kids. And we're, we're a church that loves our kids. We're passionate about next generation ministries. And, and, and our ministry spaces have just been so below what we feel like we really want to, want to offer our kids and give to our kids. You know, they're not especially geared or, or welcoming to kids or, or families. You know, we've always done everything we can to make them as much as we can those things. But, but the spaces also bring so many distractions. You know, there's so much unpredictability. Like, this morning, you know, one projector's working. You never know what's going to happen. It's, and, and it takes a lot of energy and efforts, this unpredictability. I was chatting to Matt Christie, who gives leadership to Kids Rock. He was saying one of the big things for volunteers and ministry leaders is how much energy goes into setting up. How much energy goes into just making the place suitable for the kids to get there. But by the time the kids get there, the energy levels have already been kind of sucked out. And, and there's just that much less to give to the parents and to the kids. And man, we want to turn that around. Not to mention, I think yesterday, my kids are traumatized by baboons. Maybe they're going to follow us over the road. I hope not. Me, who are persuading them if the baboon comes, daddy will save you. So if you see a baboon, just save my kids. They'll never come back. And then chemistry. By this I mean the chemistry between the range as a, as a business and us as a church. Not relational chemistry. It's, it's just in recent years we found a growing lack of chemistry between the, the needs of a business and the needs of a local church. And that began to impact on what we could do together. You know, the range would have business opportunities that would come across the table and that would kind of not really work for us and put a lot of pressure on us. And so things just got more and more difficult. And looking into the future, now we've come to the firm conclusion through lots of professional guidance and, and thoughts and research that even the idea of us somehow taking over the range offers a negligible possibility of us ever getting the land use rights that we will need to operate here as a local church for any length of time. So I'm trying to be quick. Cost kids in chemistry, I mean, they're just incredibly huge barriers to what we feel like God's called us to be and do as a local church. I mean, I haven't even mentioned things like the very limited access to the facilities, the, the constant wear and tear of setting up from scratch. You see, things break down, things stop working. I'm not only talking about the equipment. There's been men who've laid down on the floor as their backs been tweaked as they picked up something heavy more than one. It's wear and tear. I mean, we've had some fantastic years right here. But the last few years, it's become clear to us that change is inevitable. Question number two, oh, why only for five years? Well, this is the maximum departure we could get based on the current zoning of Cape Academy, the school. It's the best case outcome for us. Into the future, Cape Academy is gonna address their zoning realities, and as that shifts and changes, we're going to find ourselves in a much better position as well, and that could very well impact the longevity of our stay on their land. 
I know five years may seem short, and in some ways it is, but man, five years is a lot of time to do a whole lot of good to people, to the city, to see ourselves growing, maturing, to be salt and light. And so many doors and things can change in these five years. And these five years is what we feel like God's led us into to, to unfold a better future for us. Question three, well, what are our options? You know, is there anything else on the table? And man, we've been so grateful to Cape Academy for hosting us, you know, over these last three years. We knew it was a temporary measure. We knew this wasn't the place where God was going to plant us, you know, there in their school hall. And, and hey, the impact of COVID has, has even taught us, I mean, the reason we haven't been able to gather is because, because of the state of emergency and the education department of the Western Cape closed the school facilities to external use. And so we haven't been able to meet for so long. Again, just one of the drawbacks of not having your own venue, not having your own space, is that you're, you're beholden to others. So are there any other options? Honestly, none that we've come across in the last 11 years. Even while this temporary departure has been underway, we've been looking and diligently searching just to make sure we're covering our bases. We've talked to the NPA CAC, we've looked at warehouses in Westlake and Retreat, we've spoken to Swans Lake Primary, Christmas Academy, looked at open plots. You know when you drive past something and you think to yourself, hmm, I wonder if Don's seen this. <laughs> the answer is 98% because I want to be humble, yeah. We've looked into it and we've looked into it all. But I want to say, in God's providence, this isn't only our next step. This is kind of our only step. <laughs> Honestly, I felt like Moses at times. You know, stuck at the Red Sea, you've got Pharaoh's army charging you, you're stuck at the Red Sea, you don't know where to go, you're thinking, God, ha ha, not so funny. And then, man, just like God to come through for us in His grace, to open the door for us, to, to part like a Red Sea, something that seems so difficult and so impossible and so unlikely and boom, God opens the door and allows us to walk through. But four, but now, I hope you're excited, tell us more about this Constantinople Cape Academy campus. I just named it, boom, there we go, made a little stick. But I want to talk a little bit about the campus. Uh, there's a picture over here. Uh, the, the, the pictures, these things will be available afterwards outside. But it's designed around two main ideas. The first one is what they call the bath, or like a community area. You can go to the next slide, please. There we go. So you'll notice that, that every ministry and every kind of door flows into the central space. And the whole design behind this thing is for us to, to underpin our value of family. You know, we don't want to just be meeting each other. We want to be meeting each other and our kids. We want everyone flowing and meeting together so we can hang out, linger, connect after gatherings without having to run off. Creating opportunities for us to keep building this healthy church family where people from all walks of life can find each other in Christ. And the picnics, the connections, the possibilities are so great. And then the next big thing is next generation ministries. I mean, actually the idea was, let's design this campus around next-gen ministries, and, and, and once we get that right, let's deal with some of the other stuff. And man, we've been able to do that with the help of some real pros. This is going to help and empower us to minister to our kids in powerful ways, like never before. 
We've been able to tear down some of those barriers and obstacles that have made next generation ministries quite complex and, and taxing. We're going to have warm, welcoming, and age-appropriate environments for kids. You'll see those bottom two circles. Those are, those are four next-generation classrooms. And in the middle of them is this, is this beautiful covered central area where the kids can, can all get together and worship and spend time together and then go into their classes where they'll you know, can peacefully sit down in an age-appropriate space and, and you know, without too many distractions. You know, volunteers can sit down and actually build those friendships, make those connections, give their energies to where we want those energies to be going. There's some cool play areas. We've thought about Sundays and, and Fridays, and so you'll see that the, the, the second from the top right, that's kind of going to be our Ignite, our junior school ministry space. Then right on the top right is this frequency room. It's kind of going to be part of that, those existing buildings. And we said to ourselves, we want to create a space that's like high school only. Like an elite kind of space. Where our high school feelers, hey, this is a space for us. High schoolers are under so much pressure. We want to make sure that we're caring for our high schoolers. Creating a brilliant space for them. We've got a space for moms. I mean, if you had a kid in this church, you didn't come to church for like six to 12 months unless you work for the church and are a real legend like Rosina. But it's been hard. I mean, the weather, the wind, the cold, the trying to feed. I mean, we've tried to solve the problem. It's been so difficult. But man, we're able to now provide for our kids and our families like never before. You know, we, we've tried to streamline as much as we can to, to keep costs down. But there's, there's space to expand. The top left, if God blows us away and God does more than we can imagine. We've got space for that. And I haven't even mentioned those things like 24 access to the premises, you know, opening the door to so many opportunities without the headache of, of finding a venue and paying extra to meet somewhere. The location is so prime. I mean, if you've been in there, it's mind-blowing. I don't think there's a better place for a local church in the Constantinople Valley. I mean, it's absolutely prime. We've got our permission for our signage. We're trusting that people are going to be reached through that. And it's a huge way for us to put a footprint into the valley. So that people can know we're here, we're here to stay, and we're here to do you good. It's affordable. It's affordable and it's got well-directed rent. I mean, we're going to be paying less per month than we were paying per week here in this venue when we're meeting regularly. With all these benefits and with our name on the board outside. And we're so thrilled that our rental goes straight to the school. And it's going to benefit the learners. And it's so aligned with our heart for justice. It just makes sense. It's actually the light for us to do. And then probably one of the biggest things that excites me about this whole thing is the benefits for Cape Academy. Spoken about the rental. But the truth is, I believe we're a community of means. And by utilizing this unused piece of land, we can direct our means to meet the needs of the school and ours. It's such a beautiful witness. It's going to bring such credibility to the gospel that we preach. The academy is filled with kids from the eastern suburbs who find themselves in the middle of the Constantinople Valley. If you speak to them, they describe themselves as feeling like outsiders, like not part of the community, like like almost this eyesore in the middle of Constantia. Man, we've got, a, we've got this huge opportunity to change that narrative. To integrate this community and that school in beautiful, life-giving, God-glorifying ways. But I believe this country needs to see. We get to be a part of that. And we're already seeing some of that cross-pollination. If you drive past the school, 
You'll see there's a Nervous Board that says Warwick Wealth. Maybe that's someone in our community uh, organized that. And that, that company also has a Spirit Foundation. And they're putting, I think there's three or four kids' anniversaries uh, through the school next year. I mean, we, we've spent time uplifting some of their premises and in the hostel and other learning areas. I mean, already we're, we're starting to flavor the school, uplift the school, let the school know that we're here. We see them, we love them, we want to work alongside them. Okay, I hope you're, you're feeling stirred in God. I hope you can see much of the journey and what God's been doing. Here's the fifth and final question I want to answer. What will it cost and when are we moving in? Yep, two questions, but linked. I think it asks, hey, when are we moving in? And I say, when our checks clear. <laughs> when we pay for it, or some version of that. And that's what this flyer is all about. You still don't need to take it out. But we're trusting God to enable us. Listen to me, I'm trusting God to stir our hearts in generosity for the 6.5 million. That's what it's going to take to see us take hold of this venue for the vision that God has for us as a local church. We've worked exceptionally hard. I want to tell you, class has put in hours and days and hours and days of work making sure that we've done everything we can. Fierce negotiations, hard questions. I mean, Colin Young has, has done so much. Looking far and wide for providers. We've done, we've, we've been diligent. We're trusting God that we're going to get this thing up and running by May 2021. Going into winter before we set. Well, I like to hear. 2022. Yeah, let's not go back in time. I'll be honest with you. Coming out of the season of COVID, you know, with, as a church, kind of a sense of being disconnected. And this morning is amazing. I think this is the most of us that have gathered together. I think it's, it's yay. But, but we felt a little disconnected, and, and we're, in, we're in difficult economic times. This moment has felt daunting. This moment of thinking, I'm going to stand up here, and I'm going to invite people into this thing now. I mean, at this time. I mean, then, even this weekend, I think it was Thursday or Friday, I was, I was meeting with someone, and they were telling me about this, this tree that they had planted in their garden, and how it was growing, and for the first time, they were able to stand under its shade, and how amazing it felt. And I felt like God reminding me in that moment that He is wanting to freshly plant us like a young tree, like I've described, poised for growth. I mean, when is the best time to plant a tree? It's, it's like, you know, coming out of winter before spring really hits and everything starts to bud. And it feels like for us, hey, the best time to do something like this is spring, you know, when everything's pumping and you know, things have turned around and things have changed. But man, in God's sovereignty, He's brought us to this point now. And in Him, this is the very best time for us to get this tree in the ground to sink those roots in. And when I step back and I trace God's hand in all of this, I have no doubt that this is what God has for us. And when we pray, when we cry out to God, we're convinced that God will empower this local church, you, to see this vision realized. As I prayed about this moment and, and putting this number before us as a family, I've suddenly felt God remind me and, and kind of lead me to say this. I want to invite you 
come around on stage with you, this is your church family, to simply and joyfully say yes, freely and voluntarily to God's invitation of over and above generosity so we can take hold of this venue for the vision. There it is. To just invite you simply and joyfully to say yes, freely and voluntarily to God's invitation of over and above generosity to see this venue for a vision realized. And there's two scriptures that I think God has, has kind of prompted me and led me in to get to this point. And they're both invitations. The first one is Matthew 6. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp for the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light uh, are left there. So in this text, you're presented with two treasures and two ambitions. You know, there's the treasure of this world, and then there's the treasures we store up in heaven. Now the text is not warning us against any kind of earthly treasure. Please don't hear that. It's not warning us against saving or future planning or you know, any kind of storing of any kind. What the scripture is doing, it's reminding us that these treasures are vulnerable, fleeting, and temporary. And as Christ followers, we are those who also want to invest in eternity, where our treasure is eternal, lasting, and secure. We're not against storing up earthly treasure, but we don't only store up earthly treasure. We invest in eternity. But it also speaks about two ambitions. And when it speaks of the eye being a lamp for the body, it's really the language of the heart. You know, where your treasure is, that your heart will also be. When the Bible speaks about fixing your eyes on something, it's speaking about setting your heart on something. It's the, it's the same thing in different language. In the context of this treasure story, Jesus encouraged us, encouraging us to set and fix our eyes on what is eternal. And when we do that, our whole body is filled with light and life. Now, as I reflect on this invitation from Matthew 6, and particularly on these ambitions, where we set up, I believe God is, is teaching and encouraging us as Christ followers as a local church to never seek or settle for lowly success in life when you're created and invited into lives of true significance. Don't settle just for success. And God's invited you to live a life of significance. So again, I want to invite you simply and joyfully to say yes freely and voluntarily to God's invitation of over and above generosity. I believe it is storing up treasures in heaven. I believe it is a part of embracing what we created for, to do something in our lifetimes that's truly significant. The second scripture, the next invitation comes out of Exodus 35. It's, you know, as God led His people through the desert, there came a time where they were instructed to build a tabernacle. It's a temporary home for the presence of God, a, a tented structure where God would dwell, where people could meet with God, where they could do their uh, religious activities, uphold them as they law. And it's the first time in the Bible you ever hear of this thing called a free will offering. You know, there's lots of different offerings and sacrifices in the scriptures, normally linked to, you know, 
either a vow that's made or a religious time or remembrance of something God did or how God rescued them from sin and how they're to deal with their sin. But this freewill offering is totally different. It's not a regular thing. It's not something that's expected. It's not something that's part of what you need to do, religious observance. It's, it's kind of like a, a once or twice in a lifetime thing. Let's read Exodus 35, 21. It says, And everyone who was willing, and whose hearts moved, and whose heart moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, which is the tabernacle, for all its services and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. All the Israelites, men and women who were willing, brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. What's so amazing is that the people were so stirred and so moved that it felt like there was this, this upswell from all the Israelites that eventually they were ordered to stop being generous. And actually they had to be restrained from bringing any further gifts for the building of the tabernacle. Verse chapter 36 it says, Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp, No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. I mean, we are simply trusting God for that reality in our story as a local church. I believe that as we respond, as God stirs our hearts, as God enables us to give, as God leads us into this thing, that there's going to be an abundance of provision. This outpouring of, of sacrificial, over and above provision for something that, that comes across in the life of the church or in our lives maybe once or twice or three times, our whole lives. This is the moment for us to take hold of what God has for us at this unique time. If I was to describe a free will offering nowadays, I'd probably say we're trusting God to stir our hearts to over and above, to over and above our regular committed giving to the local church to bring our treasures and our gifts to see the vision of God realized, this purpose that God has for us. I mean, we are the church. We are this church. Each of you who calls this church home is the church. And I want you to hear, this isn't a tax, and this isn't a requirement. This is a beautiful imitation of God, from God, to be a part of something beautiful that happens a few times in our lifetimes, to really put down roots in the church community and see the church plants rooted in a community. Again, I want to invite you simply and joyfully to freely and voluntarily Say yes to God's invitation of over and above generosity. I believe it means that some of us, you know, you're going to bring your offering of, of thousands or even tens of thousands. I'm trusting some will be stirred and need to give hundreds of thousands and more. And it's going to take the thousands. It's going to take the tens of thousands. It's going to take the hundreds of thousands and more to see this vision realized. But we need them all. This invitation is not for the few. This invitation is for the whole family. You know, I, I, I do acknowledge we're in difficult economic times. But God has chosen now to plant us into this value. I don't know why. I will ask Him one day, I'm sure. 
And maybe He wants to surprise us. Maybe He wants to make sure that He gets all the glory. And that we're under no illusion that God is at work amongst us. And, and I also realize at this time, I'm not asking us to give out of our excess. Now, I'm not saying, hey, if you've got some you know, exposable income lying around, here's a great possibility. Here's something worth giving to, you know. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm also not saying, I, I, we need to be aware that in a community like ours, we can sometimes think, you know, someone else will meet this need. You know, I sometimes feel like that. You know, like, oh, what's my contribution really going to do to impact, you know, something this significant? And I can almost get that footed about it. But guys, I believe God is inviting us to sacrificial giving. Meaning God, I'm trusting He's going to stir some of us to relook at our budgets and to say, where can I squeeze some God-glorifying kingdom juice out of my monthly expenses for a season to be a part of seeing this vision realized? For some of us, God could sue you to stir you to solid possession or to make some radical lifestyle shifts for a season to see this vision realized. It's going to take more than the disposable income, more than what we've just got lying around. Now that's probably the tens of thousands or the thousands. Listen, I'm not being prescriptive. I'm just, I'm just speaking. For some, God will, and I believe has already enabled you to give tens and even hundreds of thousands and maybe even more. I believe that God has blessed you for such a time as this. Listen, I'm not trying to be weird or manipulative. It's just what I believe. I'm not, I'm not guessing who it is or looking anyone in the eye. I'm trusting God to do something in us, to surprise us, to stir us. And I believe there's some of us that God has prepared and given success so that you have the opportunity to take it and turn it into something truly significant for God's glory. Okay, I'm going to land the message right here with one question. What is God stirring you to give for this vision? I mean, I've, I've spoken a lot. I want to just pause for a second. If you're visiting us for the first time, I know this has maybe been a bit strange. But wow, exciting to see what God's doing. And hey, hopefully you'll be here again and become part of the family. Feel invited to join in. But I want to create a, a moment or two just for you to reflect on the words I've shared, I'm going to do it right now. Just take a moment. 